It's good to see you. I'm back from the cusp of Sheol, barely. I was uh, a little ill there. But as Mr. Fender and I were reminiscing and commensurating our misery together, he as well had been sick. You know, God in his... in his faithfulness reminds us of our mortality. He reminds us that we are cut flowers at best, that our days are numbered, we only have so much time, and that we are to take heed, that is wisdom to take heed and to help us to number those days. And I was sitting there thinking, I wonder how many more Christmases I will have to preach the gospel And it was very humbling. But uh, let's commence doing that today by turning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke, the physician, was a faithful servant of the Lord. He had set out to ascertain and to uh, make certain those things that had been conveyed to him and he sat down to write them out, and he wrote his gospel. And one of the things you'll notice about Luke's gospel, and you'll notice about our God and the way he works, is that he works and then he sings, right? He works and then we sing in response. Doxology always follows the work of the living God. And we see that in the opening chapters of Luke's gospel with the the song of Mary and her Magnificat, and then Zacharias Benedictus, and then today we're going to look at the third song. We're not really looking so much at the song, but just the the pericope, the actual uh, text regarding the shepherds in verses 8 through 20, the Gloria, the song of the angels. So let's pray and ask God to bless the reading and preaching of his word. He'd give us ears to hear, right, that we would be childlike in reception of the word of God, a familiar story that he would draw near to us and make it live once again for us and illuminate our minds to hear it afresh for the first time once again. I'll start in verse 1 of chapter 2 and I'll read through verse 20. This is the word of the living God. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her, Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger or feeding trough. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has so happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thus far, the infallible, inerrant word of God. Let's pray and ask this blessing. Our Lord and our God, we your Holy Spirit who breathed it out through your servant Luke, that you would illuminate this word, make our minds clear to understand, our hearts receptive to receive it, as though we hear it for the first time once again, Lord, this great grand story of the good news of Jesus Christ, the glory to God in the highest, the peace on earth on whom, with whom, you are well pleased. May you increase, Lord, and may I decrease. Give me the humility to preach of the babe in the manger, the Christ, the Son of God, Son of Man, the second Adam, who fulfills all righteousness, who bore in his own flesh at Calvary the curse of the law for us, that we might escape and might be delivered. Oh, Father, we pray and we would ask this in the name of our Savior, Christ the Lord, we pray. Amen. I'm never more amazed or never ceases to amaze me the, the sheer simplicity of the gospel story, the, the Christmas story of Christ's birth. It, it's so inauspicious, so simple and sublime in the way that it's stated. It's so matter-of-fact. Mary gives birth to her firstborn son. She wraps him in swaddling cloths and lays him in a feeding trough. It's all so simple, and yet it is by far the greatest story and the greatest event ever recorded, ever told. The incarnation of God, the enfleshment of the second person of the Godhead. God of God, begotten, not made, taking to himself our humanity a body like ours, and a reasonable soul like ours as well. So, beloved, it must be celebrated, it must be sung about, and the Word of God does this. The eternal and living God stepped into time onto the canvas of history. The omnipotent Son taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, born of a woman under the law, that he might redeem those under the law, becoming a curse for us that in him we might become the righteous of God. As the hymn writer says, Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Tis, Lord, O wondrous story, tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. On this Christmas Eve morning, I want to take a few moments and reflect with you on the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. How counterintuitive is the kingdom of God. That God comes to us in weakness to show us his strength. He comes to us through the death of the cross that we might understand and experience the resurrection. 
that through his foolishness we who are fools might become wise. So let's look at this text under these three headings. First, the good news of the birth of Christ was first announced to shepherds, not to kings. The good news of the enfleshment, the birth of Jesus Christ, was first announced to shepherds, not to kings. Look at verse 8. We're told there in the same region, that is on the outskirts of Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Notice, first of all, the, the angel was not sent to the who's who of Bethlehem. The angel was not sent to Herod. The angel was not sent to the generals there in Bethlehem in Judea. The angel was not sent to the elders of Israel, nor the philosophers of Rome. Saints, the angels, the messenger of heaven was sent to the shepherds. The good news of God's love. That in Jesus Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, was sent to the shepherds. First announced to the shepherds that, that Christ's birth did not make headline news. It didn't make the Jerusalem Post. It, it didn't go viral on Instagram or TikTok. Shops were not closed. No one got off the day from work. It was sent to the shepherds. Now, most of us, can we not remember with great clarity, the, the seminal moments of our life. Most of us over 30 here this morning know exactly where we were on 9-11. I was in seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, in the Minor Prophets, Amos chapter 4 of all places, speaking about the day of the Lord. You see, there, there are watershed moments in our lives that are indebitably written on our hearts that we can never forget. But on the night when... God of God, the Creator stand, there was no one taking notice. But friends, the living God loves to put and to share His glory where it's least expected. It is to a handful of shepherds, rough, unlearned shepherds, that He sends His angelic host to sing of His Son's arrival. Astonishingly, Really, when you, when you stop and you think about it, and you think about the, the social status of shepherds of those days, it really is amazing. Many placed shepherds on par with tax collectors. They were unsavory. They were untrustworthy fellows. Their testimony was not admissible in the court of law. And yet it was to the shepherds God sent the good news of the birth of Christ. Now just think about it with me, if you will. It were first announced to the kings and the rulers of the age we might wonder if we had what it takes to receive the message. Am I important enough? Am, am I a blue blood? Am I have the right bona fides? Do I have enough credentials to receive this message? If it were first announced to the scholars and the philosophers of the day, you, you might ask yourself, am, am I smart enough? Is my IQ high enough? Will I be able to understand the enfleshment of God? If it were announced to the religious leaders, right, to the Sanhedrin, you might think, well, am I good enough? Am I righteous enough? Do I have it all together? But, beloved, the good news of Christmas is that it first comes to the shepherds. It comes to the lowliest of the low, not to the mighty and not to the self-righteous, not to the wise and to the elite, no, the wise and the elite of the world, they always have rejected Jesus Christ, and they always will. 
in their pride. They consider it foolishness. Listen to Paul as he speaks about the unbelieving mind that's become futile in their thinking because of the effects of sin on one's thinking. Paul says, For consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Why? Paul says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. You see, friends, it's to the outsider, it's to the unclean shepherds of the world that the message of Christ's love and forgiveness first comes. The message of Christmas is not for those who are spiritually well off. It's, it, it's not for those who are established and who spiritually have it all together. It's not for the righteous, but for sinners that the message of Christ's forgiveness comes. Jesus says, I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's the upside-down kingdom of God that Christ inaugurates at Christmas. A kingdom for those who know their guilt and their forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Well, secondly, not only is it announced to shepherds and not kings, notice this. Secondly, the good news of Christ's birth brings joy, not condemnation. One of the verses that you often hear at Christmas or two verses, particularly John 3, 16 and 17. We know them well, right? We know them, we memorize them. We would have eternal life and might not perish. But then it goes on and it says in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would have life. You see, the world is condemned already. All of us in Adam, our first parent, is condemned we're without God. We're without hope. But the message of the gospel comes not to condemn, but to bring joy, the joy of eternal life. Notice what the angel says in verse 8 when the angel first appeared to the shepherds. What happens? We're told that the, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Now they're in the dead of night, country dark. That's how dark it was, no doubt. It's, it's, it's chill how we dark, Susu. I mean, it's dark. There is no white light anywhere. There's no noise of light anywhere. The shepherds were keeping watch, and then suddenly out of nowhere, heaven went bam. The halogens of heaven exploded. Heaven rent into another dimension was seen. The eternal was seen. And we're told that the angels filled the heavens with glory, and the shepherds were terrified. They were filled with great fear, or as the King James says, they were sore afraid. You see, most of us don't like to be awakened suddenly at night, but you can only imagine how startled these shepherds were. They were terrified now. The glory of the Lord shone around them. The living God. And given their social status, right, given their shady background, right, they're unsavory characters, there's a sense in which their response is understandable. These men are sinners. They're like me. They're like you. And now they stand before the glory of the living God, as he's seen in the face of these angels. 
You see, they know they're guilty before God. There's no pretense of self-righteousness. Perhaps they're thinking, I'm thinking to myself as I read that, and I tried to, to just imagine myself there. You know what they're probably thinking? They're probably thinking, is it judgment day? Is this the day of the Lord? They're exposed. They're undone. They're like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the glory of the Lord. And the seraphim and the cherubim. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah says, I'm undone. I'm coming apart at the tendons, at the ligaments, my joints. I'm jello. I'm pudding, you see, before the living God. But then notice, this no doubt was the correct response because they were sinners before a holy God. But notice the first words of the angel. Fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. First for Israel, the house of Israel, to whom the seed of the promise was first given. To the Jew first, but then also to the Gentile. All would be welcomed for all the people. Friends, now we know that Christ will come again, right? He will come and he will judge the world in righteousness. And those who've rejected his reign and rule will have cause to fear on that great day. It's going to be an awesome day, an awful day. We're told in the book of Revelation on that last day when the Lamb comes in all of his glory and the wrath of the Lamb is exposed, the unbelieving world will call for the rocks to hide them, to fall on me, to extinguish me, to annihilate me, so I want to stand before the face of the Lamb. And before the wrath of the Lamb of God. But notice that the angel assures them that today is not that day. Today is not that day. Today is the day of good news, of great joy for all the people. You see, Jesus' birth drives out the fear of judgment and condemnation. As Paul says in Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Beloved, in Christ you no longer have to feel condemned. You're free from the curse of the law. You've been set free. You've died in Christ. You've been buried with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. And now you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're a child of the living God. You've been adopted by God. You have God's spirit living within you. The great guarantor of the great deposit of inheritance of eternal life that is yours to come. You see, this is what we have. The joy of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And we see the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God first in his birth. It's announced to shepherds, not to kings. And then secondly, Christ's birth brings joy, not condemnation. And then thirdly, we see the upside-down nature of God's kingdom in that Christ was born in a manger, not a palace. He's born in a manger, not a palace. In verse 11, we're told of the identity of Christ, of who this child will be. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, the child is none other than the Davidic heir, the Davidic king who is coming, whom the prophets of old had foretold, Micah and Isaiah had foretold. He is Messiah, who is Lord of all, the one who is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But how will they know which child? For many, no doubt, were born. Bethlehem is full 
Judea is full of citizens who've come for the census. So what child will it be? What great sign of majesty? What royalty? What orchestra will precede the coming of this child? What glory? What royal robes? What rubies and emeralds will mark this child? This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords in the yonder stall. Who will know? How will they know? How will they know him as the Davidic heir and king who will rule over his people? Will they find this king in Herod's palace? No, maybe he'll be in Caesar's castle. Or perhaps he'll be born in the home of the Sanhedrin. Surely he'll be born in great pomp and pageantry. Every eye will see the glory of the Lord. No. Verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a feeding trough. He'll be the baby in Bethlehem who won't be clothed with royalty, won't have heated undergarments like the Prince of Wales had when he was born in London. He won't be at the the Jefferson down here with a nice Christmas tree and all the glory, all the lights and all the pomp and pageantry. No, you'll find him. He'll, he'll be wrapped in some swaddling cloths. And you'll find him in a feeding bowl. The king of glory lying there. It will be there in the manger, in the feeding trough, that they shall behold their God. It is there in a feeding bowl, the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth will be laid, wrapped in some cloths and lying in a manger. Beloved, this morning, maybe you're here at All Saints and you're doubting God's goodness. Maybe you're thinking, well, surely God cannot accept me. I've gone too far. I've done too much wrong, too much sin. My whole life is marked by sin. I'm a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners. Maybe you're wondering that your sin is too great. Well, the message of Christmas is that the baby in the feeding bowl is below you. He is for you. Do you see him there? Sinner, you see him lying there for you, having come from the lowliest and come for the lowliest of low? Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Subtraction through addition. He didn't lay aside his deity. No, he assumed our humanity. It was subtraction through addition. He took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. You see, this pattern of lowliness and humiliation would mark his entire ministry while he served on earth. He would say, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You see, the baby bound here in Luke 2 with the swaddling cloths on that first Christmas 
would one day be bound as a common criminal led to die at Calvary. The one whom angels herald as the Davidic king born to set his people free would in the days to come be crowned with a crown of thorns and be led out outside the city gates to die, to be despised and rejected of men. Friends, it's here in the incarnation of the Son of God that we see the very nature and heart of the upside-down kingdom of God. Is it any wonder in verse 13 that we're told there that the night sky, as it were, was ripped, right? As a multitude of heavenly hosts began praising God. It's as though you get the picture, you get the sense, the one angel is speaking, bringing this good news of great joy for all the people, that the other angels are right there, warning, just warning to speak and to sing of the glory of the Lamb. We're told in Peter that they stand on tippy toes looking into the deep things of God. That the holy God of heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the living God, the only wise God, delights to save sinners. And the angels long to see how. And all of a sudden they're there having eavesdropped on what the angel has just spoken. Kind of like children on Christmas morning in our house. Remember growing up, kids, my kids, you remember that? You would get up so early in the morning. So early, 4.30. Go to bed. They just wanted to come and celebrate. Can you imagine heaven's joy? Heaven's joy. Just bursting at the seams. As the angels stand on their tippy toes, they burst forth in song. And we're told that the angels depart, and with great haste, the shepherds head to Bethlehem. These nobodies. These are the guys who are all tatted up. These are the guys who are nocturnal. These are the guys that are out on the street. This is the nobody of nobodies. And yet they are the ones invited to come and to see and to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it was believed that the shepherds there in Bethlehem were the ones who were in charge and oversaw the, the lambs that would be provided for the sacrifice there in the temple. And they, they alone are invited to come and see, come and behold the great works of our God. Oh, beloved, oh, to be humble, to understand, only to have a mind that is humble before the living God in his word. To understand how great and how awesome and how mighty is our God. That he slays his enemies with children. He slays his enemies with foolishness of the gospel. Oh, to become a fool for Christ. Oh, to have a mind to see. Have ears to hear. And eyes to see what the shepherds saw and beheld and heard on that night. Well, they find Mary and Joseph, and they see the Christ child lying there in the manger, and they make known to all what had been told them concerning the child. And we're told that all who heard marveled and wondered, but we're told the juxtaposition. Now, notice what Mary does. Mary's taking it all in. She's just given birth. Guys, you know, those of us who are fathers who've seen our wives give birth to our children, you can only imagine. There's nothing special about her. She's a sinner who needs a savior. She says as much in her own song. She's just given birth. She's hearing this report that's echoing exactly what she had been told by Gabriel, that the child born to her would be Christ the Lord, savior of his people. 
We're told that Mary treasured up these things and she pondered them in her heart. And in verse 20, we're told that Luke tells us that the shepherds returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen, just as it had been told them. You see, doxology always attends God's works. They couldn't keep silent, just like the angels couldn't keep silent. And just like you, if you've tasted the goodness of God, if you know the forgiveness of sins, you know how great a sinner you are, and you see the depth and the height and the width of the love of God in Christ, you have to tell somebody. You can't keep silent. You're like the angels. You must tell. You must sing of the glory of this great God. Oh, beloved, these are the marks of the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. That the angels testify to the glory of God. But then lastly, notice the effect and the consequence, and I conclude with this. Not only is there glory in heaven, we're told that Christ brings peace on earth. But notice what it says there. In the ESV, I think it's correct in the way they translate it. It's peace among those with whom he's pleased. Right? We don't want to romanticize this and sentimentalize it, right? Make it a hallmark moment. No, that's not what this is. In a world that's obsessed with its own glory, we find Christ, one who was born in our nature, say, he came to say, not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus surrendered his own peace in pursuit of God's glory, and in so doing, secured peace for those with whom he's well pleased. So I ask you this morning, as you sit there and you listen to me, and you say, well, is God pleased with me? And I turn the question back on you, have, have you received him? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? He came into his own, as Pastor Isak mentioned, but his own received him not. But to those who have received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but born of the Spirit. Have you received, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Today is the day of salvation. Look to him. Friends, when you pursue your own peace, it eludes you. But when you surrender to God's peace in Christ, it rests forever upon you. You see, this is the upside-down nature of the peace of God and the kingdom of this God. The birth was first announced to the shepherds, not to kings. He was born not to condemn the world, but to save it. And lastly, that he was born not in a palace, but in a manger. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This Christmas Eve, let us join the chorus of heaven. Let us join the angels and sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those and with whom he is well pleased. Let's pray and ask his blessing. Our Father and our God, we thank you for so great a salvation. The salvation that angels long to look into. You have revealed to shepherds, you've revealed to the ordinary folk like us. Not many of us were wise, not many of us were noble. We were not much in the world's eyes, but Lord, you have taken the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. We thank you, Lord, you've chosen us. You've set your love on us, just as you set your love on those shepherds. Not just anyone, the message came, but it came to those that you chose, those shepherds on that hillside outside Bethlehem, that evening, that night, when you rent the heavens and you declared the glory of the birth of your son through the mouths of your messengers, the angels, to those lowly shepherds, 
Oh, Father, would you fill our hearts with the wonder and the glory that is our God in Jesus Christ. It would capture our imagination anew afresh this Christmas, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.